This podcast was recorded in a Zoom meeting with the Hartford Street Zen Center Sangha. Please visit hszc.org for information about how to join our online programs or to make a contribution. We depend on the generosity of our members and supporters, especially during this challenging time. Thank you. Before starting the talk, I was um, listening to the bird song outside. Um, and although that that was a or that is a um, a balm for the spirit, you might say. Uh, and I uh, I appreciated that particularly this morning since uh, I'm not feeling very well today. And um, it's not the usual migraine sort of a thing. It's just, you know, there's not always some ready explanation, you know. And so it's pretty important not to identify uh, too closely with the weather, so to speak. And since our habit of mind and body is to identify very strongly with the weather, namely, whatever is the prevailing atmosphere in here. Well, that's weird. My gestures, as I experience them, are a little different in the camera. Oh, that's very strange. It reminds me of certain psychedelic experiences of my youth. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, one of our uh, One of our Sangha members, I think I think this is safe to say because that Sangha member doesn't appear to be here, although it's always a little mysterious with the, uh, the uh, computerized Zendo. But anyway, uh, this person has a, I forget uh, exactly, but uh, maybe his, uh, I don't know, motto or something incorporates the expression uh, with the flow. flow. And of course, uh, in California, we all like to think of ourselves as going with the flow. <laughs> I, I don't know how many of us have uh, examined that. 
what, what we mean by that. I, I would suggest that um, in our practice, our practice of being still, reveals something that we can call the flow. Which is another way of speaking of uh, our experience in this body-mind, as this body-mind. One issue with this um, televised event is that I'm, I'm tempted to uh, make sure my, my slip is always showing the proper amount here. Since I can see myself, this is a temptation to which I give in from time to time. Please excuse me. Yeah, that's better. Now, if this were uh, Japan, and I were in charge of something, I'd probably have, you know, several layers. And um, they are carefully tailored so that each layer will show a little bit of sleeve. You know, it's really, it's quite beautiful when done properly. And we are told that back in the day, I'm sure this doesn't happen anymore, but back in the day, the uh, senior clergy would uh, sometimes uh, take an interest in some of the younger members of the clergy, some of whom were, you know, barely in their teens, and they would dress them up. So they would and put these kids in these beautiful robes with all these little layers showing, you know, sort of parade them around. As I say, I don't think that happens anymore. But what are monastics supposed to do for fun anyway? Not stuff like that. Um, anyhow, uh, our practice reveals that the flow is all there is. And that our karmic habit causes us to uh, constantly uh, try to grab onto it and make it uh, endure as ourselves. However, that can't be done. It doesn't even necessarily take a whole lot of experience to reveal that that can't be done. The best we can come up with is a kind of um, uh, 
that's not the right word, but the word that comes to my mind is a kind of golem. It's not quite right, but it's sort of a, uh, a puppet who is uh, able to uh, function in the world and meet other puppets. All the while, simply riding on the flow Uh, many, many years ago now, I recall my teacher giving a talk over at Beginner's Mind Temple, sometimes known as the Real Zen Center. He was pretty young. And um, I don't remember what year that would have been, but maybe maybe 82 or something like that. But he did say with some conviction, something like, he was referring to our experience and he said, and are nothing but your experience. And without consciously trying to do so, I kind of tucked that away. That expression and uh, it would come back to me from time to time over the years as a kind of uh, touchstone for his teaching. And I would, I would, you know, uh, so to speak, you know, you know, the touchstone, of course, is that uh, a piece of, I don't know, whatever it is, slate that you can make a mark with a piece of gold and determine its genuineness. So I would use this expression and I, I actually, at some point, came to agree with him, or not so much with him, but with that remark. We are nothing but our experience. And the illusion that there's someone behind and beyond that experience is what is called Satkaya Dristi in Sanskrit. And uh, is the, uh, the keystone for the uh, suffering of sentient beings. And so, as I've said perhaps too often now, practice of Zazen is the antidote. Eventually, if one were to 
uh, take for oneself this notion that I am nothing but my experience, one can examine that over and over again and test its validity and see, is there something else? And if you uh, find something else, please tell me, because I'll be very interested. And if you're committed to the Buddha way, you will be committed to the erosion of Satkaya Dhrishti, the, the view of a genuine entity. And over time, I don't know, I was going to say your grip on it and then I was going to say, no, uh, it's grip on you, but both of those are misleading. So I guess I would say the uh, effect of Satkaya Dhrishti gets weaker and weaker. So I, that's, I think that's kind of cool myself and I'm, I'm very grateful for that teaching and its efficacy. And this enables me, us, something, someone, to um, gradually let go of the habit of identifying closely with the weather. Again, the weather being the prevailing atmosphere. Because there is nothing but the flow. Moment after moment after moment. Your experience. Contemplating our life that way is sometimes called the backward step. Which reminds me that this Thursday we'll recommence our, our long and arduous practice of study hour. 
um, beginning with another insightful essay by Dogen Zenji. And you're all invited, of course. No charge. Donations gratefully accepted, etc. I also want to uh, recommend a, um, a program on Netflix. And I meant to look up the title and then of course forgot, but it's something very like, it's one of like the currently popular programs. It's something like, um, I don't know, Life After Death. And it's, um, I forget, maybe half a dozen episodes examining that question. And uh, it's actually quite good. You have to put up with a, a little bit of, um, with no reason why some people can, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't talk about angels and so forth if they want to. But there's also some very interesting stuff. The chapter I saw recently is about rebirth, or as they mistakenly call it, reincarnation. And it uh, presents for our consideration something that um, was pretty well known. There are many, many, there are thousands of cases in many cultures worldwide where children appear to remember traces of a former birth. And this episode features a couple of uh, psychiatrists in the West who um, began to study this phenomenon and at the outset were quite skeptical and are no longer and they presented some startling cases where very hard to explain by any other means. Uh, one, one, one doctor had, uh, had a kind of a method that was a little bit reminiscent of the Tibetan method of finding a recognized rebirth at Tulku. some quite extraordinary results. So I personally am not very surprised by this. Rebirth is a, um, I guess you could say, uh, kind of foundational teaching in Buddha Dharma. And I never really had any problem with it. Yeah, but, um, Sometimes uh, Westerners find themselves very, very skeptical of that. And so it's like, well, that's okay. The great and famous by his own declaration, Professor Edward Konza used to declare among other things that uh, if, 
you, you don't accept the teachings of karma and rebirth, you are not a Buddhist. No, you are not a Buddhist. I was like, well, I don't know about that. But anyway, he was quite certain that was so. But it certainly bears examining. And um, as I've said before, the distinction between rebirth and reincarnation is significant. Does anybody wish to um, comment on that? Anybody remember my? Oh, never mind. Anyway, oh yes. Um, you may have to I'm speak. Totally paraphrasing, but you may have to speak loudly since. One, uh, reincarnation would be same letter, different envelope, and reverse would be more like a flower scattering seeds. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, the notion that um, uh, that uh, there is a, a kind of an unchanging creature hopping from birth to birth. It's not quite right and is not consistent with Buddha's teaching. What's more consistent is that um, the life of sentient being is a kind of a ballistic phenomenon. Namely, at some point, a ball was thrown. And the energy the ballistic path of that will continue through the apparent arising and passing away of different births until basically the karmic impulse is exhausted, which pretty much means entry into nirvana. Why? Because Uh, each each such ball keeps getting whacked with a bat. <laughs> the functioning of karma uh, continues the ballistic energy of that ball. So is that ball a person? Well, no. Sorry. I also, I once said to my teacher in Dokusan, as I recall, somewhat aggressively, I said, what's the difference between you and me? And he said, a ball thrown on swiftly moving water. I filed that one away too. And eventually, came to the conclusion, yeah, I think that's right. Um, so, Looks like we lost a few people here. So, 
maybe that's um, my maybe that's the uh, what was it? what they used to do well, somebody would uh, stick a hook out onto the stage grab the performer by the neck and yank them off if the, if the audience was insufficiently amused. So <laughs> the, the hook has made an appearance. And uh, especially nowadays, people are much less a captive audience. In all my years at Zen Center, I don't think I ever got up and walked out of a Dharma talk unless like I really had to pee or something. But there was a certain dense peer pressure not to do that. So I, I sat through any number of talks that I wasn't really enjoying. That's okay. That's probably good for me. Oh, I also wanted to confess, confess and repent that um, I think, anyway, I think that tomorrow is the 28th, and I believe I have a date with a hypodermic needle down at Moscone Center for my second, and I, I don't know, I guess, final vaccination. And I want to confess to having, having engaged in a fair amount of um, what in Zen we call leakage. You know that term? Significant term in Zen. I think our ancestor uh, Dongshan came up with like three flavors of leakage, which I don't really want to go into right now. Since since the hook has already made an appearance, but it kind of means uh, reacting to phenomena in our life as though there really were a permanent person. So in this instance, maybe there was uh, you know, some anxiety and, and greed about getting the shots and maybe there was even some willingness to like get in front of someone else if I could do that. And then if there were some delay or something, then, then there was like anxiety around it. These are all instances of leaking, which means, you know, 
not trusting that the flow is all there is. And instead, uh, trying to make it have a desirable shape and not depart from that. My, my teacher, this is probably the third time I've mentioned him today, I'm sorry. But uh, an example that, that uh, he would give from time to time was, he was at uh, Tassajara, at this when he was abbot. And he was doing his yoga exercises in the abbot's cabin there. And, and uh, he could see through the window, he was looking at the uh, founder's hall, the Kaisando, beautiful building there, built in Japanese, traditional carpentry style. And there had been some issue with the, uh, uh, I guess it's, it's basically, it's not clay, it's like kind of mud that goes on the outside. And I think maybe the formula was not quite right or something and some of it was cracking. And he was kind of fantasizing about how they would go and redo that and how wonderful it would look and he was getting like all excited and energized about this project happening and how he was investing in it. And he noticed all of a sudden that he was doing that. And that is leaking. And there are many, many other possible examples. And maybe, maybe I don't know, next time I'll, I'll elaborate on the three flavors of leaking, which are kind of interesting. And uh, so I, it's not like my leaking around vaccination was the only time I do that during the day. No, no, not at all. But I did notice that I was leaking. And I tried, when you notice it, basically, like everything else of that kind, when you notice it, it stops. You're not leaking anymore when you notice you were leaking. So the backward step is happening. And then one can, um, whatever one's external posture, one can take one's seat again in and as the flow and let it be. That's all I am. That's all we are. The ball thrown on swiftly moving water. So if you notice yourself leaking, then you can enjoy the fact that you've noticed yourself leaking and you're not leaking anymore. And um, you are uh, you are bringing that teaching to life in your own body mind. And that's pretty good. If any of you have the either the original publication 
Thomas Cleary's quite precious work, uh, one of many, of course. This one is, um, of course, the title has just gone out of my head now. Well, I can see it on my bookshelf, but I cannot read the title. Anyway, it's his uh, pretty early on, his collection of uh, translations of selection of Soto Zen or Tsaudhong Chan documents. And there's much wonderful stuff in there from both Chinese and Japanese sources. And of course, it's in the collection of his, his works, a five volume collection. It's in there too. Um, uh, and uh, he has a, a section in there on the three leaks, the three leakings of Dongshan. It's quite interesting. So if you have that, you can look it up and then maybe we can talk about it sometime. Okay, well, enough torture. Well, thank you for your patience, as always. Remember, we're going to try to have a Buddha's birthday, a little mini retreat on either the 3rd or the 10th, can't make up my mind, of April. It'll just be like a half a day in the morning, so you have a nice day and a half of the weekend left to play with. So please join in if you want. Meanwhile, does anybody have a question or comment? Can you just restate the, uh, the teaching that you got right up you said at the beginning? I just have kind of forgotten the order of the words. Uh, oh, why? Which, uh, sorry, which teaching are we talking about? Uh, just at the beginning, you said that all that life is is something along the lines of experience or something like that. Oh God, what did I say? Well, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, uh, I quoted my teacher. Yes. Said, you are nothing but your experience. That's it. Okay. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, among other things, an invitation to look for something else than your experience. But I don't think that's going to bear fruit. But everyone's welcome to try. Yes. Um, you used the example of uh, 
your teacher looking out the window at the Kaisana wall and getting all excited about the possibility of repairing it and so on. And then uh, he realized that, you know, I don't think she said as much, but you, you said he realized it was leaking. I don't know if he said he realized it was leaking. But, yeah, pretty much. Um, so I can see how if someone heard that, there might be a temptation to think that there's something wrong with leaking because it seems like part of the human condition is leaking. Yes. And um, well, it's not that there's something wrong with it, but uh, uh, this is um, what contributes to the karmic energy of our life. Leaking is generating new karma. So uh, again, this is not an issue of good or bad mm -hmm. or you know evil and not evil or something. Simply like, oh, this is the function. This is how karma works. To forget that um, uh, I, I am actually not an self-existent entity who affects the uh, universe in all these wonderful ways uh, according to various projects that I have in mind. This means that one has forgotten that one is not anything beyond one's experience. So one can still uh, maintain this awareness that, one, that I am nothing but my experience and still get the Kaisanda wall repaired. But to start spinning on that, and because he was doing yoga, he noticed that his bodily energy had suddenly taken a leap, you know, getting kind of charged up around it. This is leaking. So, like he wasn't really paying attention to the business at hand, which was yoga. Pretty much, yeah. But again, I will, uh, you know, I'll talk about Dongshan's three leaks at some point, which may help elaborate on it. Uh, of course, like everything he says, it's vested in a certain amount of poetry, but still it's quite uh, interesting. So again, it's not good or bad. It's just, uh, am I continuing to study Buddha Dharma or am I checking all that? and getting into that wall and how I'm gonna fix it. So that's all. Yes? I'm just in listening to that, it sounds like the leap is the attachment of fixing the wall. Because you could be doing your yoga and notice, oh the wall needs fixing. Yes. And then you know file that that right away and keep doing yoga and then yeah, you know, leaking sort of uh, attachment of I'm going to fix the wall and the wall is going to be fabulous and it's going to last forever and yeah, leaking implies attachment. Yes, I would say that's right. And I was going to ask if maybe you could take a picture of the Thomas Clary book and we can post it into at least our Instagram for people. Sure. Yes. Yeah, it's my favorite book. I can't remember the title. God only knows. Part of my foggy mood today, I guess. 
All I can think of is moon and a dewdrop. That's not it. Anyway, Ty, did you have a comment? Oh, I'm just wondering. Um, so when when you notice that you're commenting on uh, whatever that is, what is happening in our mind? When, when, you, when you notice you're leaking? It's about the experience. Mm -hmm. So when experience is being experienced itself, but our mind is so tenacious, we add on comments such as nice weather, the, the birds is so screechy, right? Yeah. Well, again, one can, that those phenomena can be happening and one can also notice that that's happening. But we can help, but keep having the comments. Right, of course. Right? Right. So it's, this, right. No, it's not like I'm doing it. No. Sometimes it's happening. Right, exactly. It just happens. And I'm um, talking about the comments and, and, and right. add-ons. Right. Um, but again, that's why the backward step is so important. The backward you step is like just karmic something like, oh, I'm not doing it, right? Like, oh, I don't have any association with that experience. Or time. I'm I'm not attached to that. Or yeah. or I'm I notice, you know. The, the Blue Jays are really bothering me this morning. Uh -huh. It's like fingernails on a blackboard, as somebody said. But actually, I have no attachment to that experience. I'm just noticing. It's all. Uh -huh. And that is not karmically active. It just unfolds. Do you see? Yeah. So our suffering is resisting to it. Yeah. We're attaching to that. Okay. And once we attach to it, suffering will follow. Just like we Where all those did. comments are coming from? Like, yeah. Like the, that is pre-coded. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, yeah, we do that because we can. The mind works that way. And to notice that is a critical difference. So that's the backward step. So it's not my mind, it's the mind, the, the bigger oh, mind. Uh, like, well, it's, it's the way minds function. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's not bad. It's just that it's conducive to liberation to notice how it functions yes. and get wrapped up it's in so it. crazy right? yeah it's kind of nuts okay there's, oh, it's not me, right? there's also what Trumpa called basic sanity mm -hmm. so it's not just nuts there's also basic sanity sometimes you might say buddha nature but that's a little too high voltage so basic sanity is fine Okay, well, oh, uh, maybe one more, uh, John. I wanted to relate an experience um, when I was at Pioneer Valley Zendo. I was sitting for five minutes with uh, Ikeda, Ishin Ikeda, something. And I remember the first couple of days I thought, oh, he's just wearing a black rocker suit. I thought you had completed drama transmission and so on. and. So we, then on the fourth day, he came to the Zendo and he was wearing all of his, um, you know, like a full Koromo and he put on the Okesa during the robe chant and so on. And then I just, you know, it's kind of like, oh, the relationship changed a little bit somehow. And then the next day was, uh, he, he put on a brown robe instead. 
and then I I just thought that was very interesting because there was no service there was you know there was nothing to anyway I I don't know what what to make of it exactly but I just was wondering about that one's relationship to seeing somebody and supposing oh that has a meaning or that means that person has a certain understanding or something like that mm -hmm. Have you ever fallen prey to that kind of feeling where because of a person, how they're dressed, you think that their understanding is different or better or whatever? Well, not recently, but <laughs> in the past, yeah. In the past, I used to uh, think that someone who was called Roshi was a higher order of being, but I don't think that anymore. Or I might have that thought again, but uh, I don't think I would, um, how do I say? I don't think I'd have much leaking around that anymore. It's just a thought. Okay. Okay, please uh, take care, everyone. Dangerous world out there. Sometimes sunshine, sometimes rain.